This is On Point, a podcast about bringing humanity to leadership communications. I'm your host, Andrea Lekishoff, President of Broadreach Communications. We are in for a treat today as I interview New York City-based Bob Colhan, who is the founder and CEO of Business Improv, a consultancy that links improv to business through behavioral sciences and real-world application. Bob is the author of Getting to Yes and The Art of Business Improv and is an adjunct professor of business for both the Fuqua School of Business and the Columbia Business School. What I find fascinating about Bob is that for 26 years, he performed and taught improvisation internationally. His teaching and performing credits include Chicago's famed Second City, where he was trained by a long list of legendary comedic talents, including two of my favorites, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And finally, as you will hear during this interview, Bob is a really great guy. Bob, welcome to On Point. Andrea Lekashoff, it is good to be here. Thank you, Bob. You did a great job with my last name. <laughs> uh, good work. Um, Bob Culhan runs Business Improv. He's been doing this for over 20 years, and I am really interested to hear what he has to say because um, he coaches CEOs uh, around the world on how to infuse their leadership communications with improvisation. And uh, there's never been a better time than now uh, to do that. And he has a really interesting story to tell in terms of how people, uh, certainly CEOs in the C-suite, are upping uh, their leadership communications uh, virtually. Um, so, Bob, why don't we start by having you really describe what has changed in terms of leadership communications since this global pandemic hit? I think for the most part, there has not been enough change in leadership communication. I think for the most part that what I see is that there's a lot of leaders who believe that what we have done on site will translate immediately to a virtual environment. And there's an opportunity to really adjust to the virtual environment, whether it is via phone call or one of the platforms that allows us to see each other, WebEx, Zoom, Adobe Connect, whatever you might have. And that's really to understand that everybody's behavior is different, whether it's from stress and the unknown and going into uncharted territories, whether it's homeschooling and uh, having to chase uh, significant others out of the room so you can have a quiet meeting or conversation with someone. There's so much out there that we need to adapt to. And leaders need to do the same thing with our voices to make sure that we're communicating. And so the it's hard to say one thing has changed more than other, other than the fact that we are now on virtual platforms more than ever before. That which we all saw coming 20 years ago, 10 years ago anyway, has become a reality because we're forced into this reality. And I know from conversations with my clients, uh, there are many people that are struggling with this because they are not natural born performers. And that's pretty much what you need to do now on a call because you're not face to face, you're not catching up with them informally. So what are some tips that you can provide uh, that you give to your CEO clients uh, in, in your sort of consultations? 
first, it's got to be an outward focus. Just like customer first, your internal stakeholders, your team, your leadership team, everyone who reports to them, to you, it's you've got to focus outward. And this outward focus has to come in a couple of different ways. One, reading nonverbal communication has changed across the board because we're only limited to what we can see in those little boxes. So you're going to have to kind of cheat over to catch that nonverbal communication. You're also going to have to use the powers of deduction, that if your spidey senses start tingling in any way, follow up, go back to that individual and say, what am I reading here? You tell me if I'm off base. Uh, I'm trying to understand this in a different way. So this means every time that we communicate through a medium, at least that we can see each other, we have to bring this extra pop of energy. Our energy has to manifest itself in presence and awareness at a very high level of ourselves because eyes are on us and energy will beget energy and our energy has to focus outward so that every little gift or offer turns into an opportunity to learn something from someone on the other side of the screen. Because as you just said, that informal communication right now is out the window. So we have to take advantage of every little piece of formal information communication that we can. And how do you recommend that executives up their energy for certain calls? And and I'll I'll just uh, give people a sneak peek. I was part of a, a really great presentation that that you delivered, Bob, uh, to Tech Canada, where um, I logged in a little early and saw you um, doing a few things that uh, you rarely see people do getting ready for a performance, which really we're all performing when we're on Zoom or Microsoft Team calls. So do you want to share some of the tips and uh, and things that you do before a call? Absolutely. So the first is being intentional and deliberate and strategic with your time. So you, we block out time before meetings to make sure that we are mentally and physically ready to perform at the top of our intelligence to the best of our ability. And I'm, I'm framing it this way because if you think what athletes do before competitions, they're not rushing from competition to competition or meeting straight to a competition or shooting out a bunch of emails to the competition or a phone call to a competition. They blocked out that time to warm up to stretch out. And so part of this mental and physical preparedness performing at the top of your intelligence means that you give yourself that extra time to warm up, become physically ready, which get the heart. If you get the heart pumping, then the blood's moving and the blood inside, excuse me, the oxygen inside the blood starts reaching the muscle groups that need it the most. And the muscle that we need to reach is the organ, the brain. And the byproduct of simply getting the heart pumping and supplying oxygen to the brain is an increase in speed in which you can choose to direct it to things like focus and concentration, presence, engagement, adaptability, flexibility. So what you saw before that tech uh, program was me moving around, dancing a little bit, stretching out, get my heart pumping, staying loose, trying to get into the zone. So that once I come across the screen and everyone's looking at me, I'm on point and I'm present at a very high level. So what I suggest is block some time out before important engagements, whether it's internal stakeholders or external stakeholders, to get mentally and physically ready. Warm up a little bit and ease into the presentation as opposed to rushing into the presentation in in a frenetic state. And here's the great opportunity for everyone who's working from home is no one can see you do that. If you did that at work, it might have seemed a little odd to see people jumping around or or walking around. And I think you were doing some vocal exercises as well, but you can do that at home. Uh, you might be judged by your family, but at least you can do that at home before you actually get on the, st- the screen with your clients, with your team, or what have you. 
Yeah, if your family looks at you as well and you're having fun with it, you're getting in the zone, more likely than not, you're going to amuse them, if not even, you know, depending on the age of the people around you, they might join you. So having a something simple like a dance party is, you know, whatever music you want to dance to, that's a, a great way to just ease into this and invite other people in as well. I love it. And also during our presentation, I noticed something different about your performance, and I'll call it a performance because improv is performing. Uh, and that is that you are super engaged with the camera. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how people can set up their computers and their their um, video so that they're they're truly engaging and piercing through people's screens? Yes. So this goes back to the adage to be engaged is to be engaging. Just like to be interested is to be interesting. And so through this specific medium, what what we really need to do is honor and respect the medium. It's not communicating in any other medium. We're only communicating in this medium. So what I do for me personally is I have a standing desk and I even have some books on the standing desk. So now it's almost eye level because a lot of the time when I teach, in fact, the extreme majority of the time when I teach on-site programs at the C-suite level, I'm up, I'm standing, whether it's in front of the classroom in a lecture hall or it's a small group one to 20 ratio. I'm engaged in that capacity and I want other people to as well because we're focusing on manipulating energy, like I said before, with that warm-up. So so I'm standing. Uh, that way I can move around. I'm not tied to my desk. I can use my body to speak as well. And then to your point before, eye contact is established differently through the computer than it is uh, in face-to-face. -face. So we think that we're being res very respectful by looking at the picture of somebody else while we're talking to them and gauging their um, nonverbal non communication in that capacity. However, what it looks like from the other person is that we're looking down. We're looking down at the computer somewhere else. And so in order to make eye contact, you have to know where the camera is, which is typically a little green dot or red dot or white dot. And then you have to look into the camera and you have to bring energy into the way that you look at the camera as well, because simple um, one note energy doesn't manifest itself in the same way through this specific medium. So you have to pop that energy a little bit and really make eye contact to that little green dot, that little red dot, and then on the receiving end, that feels like eye contact to the person with whom you're communicating. And then you cheat down to see the nonverbal communication and just keep looking back to the, the green or red dot. And what does pop that energy look like and sound like? It's, it's adding, it's, it's not, if you are a th naturally a three energy, jump to a 10 energy and be manic running around the room like your pants are on fire. It's if you're a three energy, know how to get to a four first. That's the first thing. Know how to in deliberately increase your energy from a three to a four or a four to a five, whatever your base number might be, when it's needed most. Because at this time, People are struggling with morale. Yeah. We're, we're mentally struggling, resilience. And so for you to come into a meeting with that little pop of energy, that we feel it. And that turns into excitement. And people are looking for ways to be motivated and inspired. And as leaders, that is part of our job. So manifesting some energy or that little pop is first recognizing where your energy is and making the choice to do something about it, knowing how to do something about it, and then playing with inside your comfort zone. So you might pop it too far one time and you're like, oh, that was awkward and disingenuous. And it should not be disingenuous. It should be authentic. 
Yet at the same time, it's not to say that bringing energy is not a choice. It is very much a choice. And it's something that largely we can control. And I'm going to qualify to say largely because right now anything can happen. Like it's so tricky what we're going through. And not every time you try to manipulate your energy mentally or physically, it's going to be successful. Yet that doesn't mean don't try. It means do try and understand, give yourself that freedom to and flexibility to say it's going to work sometimes and sometimes it isn't. So that little pop of energy to me is that eye contact into the camera. It is using nonverbal communication in a different way, using your hands, talking with your hands. It is playing with dynamics of speech, whether that's speed or uh, intonation, you know, just the ebbs and flows, finding ways to pull people in. Because once again, energy begets energy. So to be engaged is to be engaging means that you can be engaged by somebody who feels that you're engaging by them. And it turns into a great uh, snowball effect. And Bob, I've been talking to so many leaders who are concerned about um, engagement levels. They are concerned about loyalty. They're really concerned about their people. And I think that um, teaching a range of people within a company how to bring this energy will really just help those engagement levels. What about facial expressions? How important are they? And again, really wanting people to remain authentic um, to who they are. But what can people do to sort of alter and and try this out? And frankly, I try a lot out on my kids and they are super honest. They will give you (laughs) the best feedback uh, versus some team members who are like, nope, that's that's great, but not really tell you. So what, uh, what do you have to say about facial expressions and how that can really help amp up your game? Okay, so the first thing with facial expressions, I would say, is that you have to bring them in a different way when talking through your computer to somebody else who's watching you through the computer. And this, to me, is going to really start uh, setting up the environment. So in business improv, what we suggest everyone does is first look at your lighting. Make sure you're not, you, you heard me say this in the tech meeting. Yes. Uh, make sure you're not backlit. A lot of people will sit in front of a giant bay window, which is awesome. It brings a lot of light. yet. It's casting the light to your back, which means that your face is in silhouette to people. And what you heard me say is there's only, if you go to literature, books, movies, plays, there's only two types of characters that are portrayed fully in silhouette. And those are evil villains and people in the witness protection program. So if you are choosing to be in silhouette, you have to ask yourself, which one are you of those two? Because leaders should have their faces seen. Because if you are not lit, at least to some degree, correctly, no one's going to see subtle facial expressions. They're going to be cast in shadow and lost. So that means you have to make sure your lighting is on your face. If, if you do have a light behind you, at least offset it with something in front of you as well. Otherwise, cheat your computer left to the left to the right. Make sure that at least part of your face is seen. And I like to see, you know, 100% of somebody's face, not, you know, the, the dark side of the moon where one side is just shadow and the other side is light. Let, let's see the, the full moon. And so when you're properly lit, then you have to bring bigger facial expressions even still. And this for some is going to feel animated and uncomfortable at first. And you just have to get used to it. So the subtle head nods, if you're not properly illuminated, are going to be lost. So you need more animated, giant head gestures. The the head shakes have to go bigger to the left and right. Talk with your hands, so I don't know, or okay, or thumbs up, thumbs down. And the way I equate this 
to anybody who's a scuba diver is underwater, you know how to communicate with air, with oxygen levels. And you're trying to do that too. Exactly. And so this is, you should look at this the same way. This is a different medium. And so we have to communicate with each other differently. And that means we have to get comfortable communicating with each other through this medium, the same way you did with texting, the same way we did with emails, the same way we did with the uh, Morse code when it first came out, I'm sure. We, We just have to adapt to that specific medium. And the funny thing about communications in the workplace is it's not taught. It's truly, even before this pandemic, you know, it typically would not be taught to someone to give a firm handshake, to smile often at certain points. And so I think this is a really great opportunity to focus on communications as a whole. And after it's over, whenever that might be, we'll all be stronger for it. Absolutely. This is an opportunity and it's a challenge as well. At the same time, what we do in business improv is all people skills. It's all human skills. It's how are we relating to each other, how are we connecting with each other, how are we building trust, how are we building cohesion, how are yes. we communicating with each other, and how are we collaborating with each other, etc. So this skill set that we need to focus on here is immediately transferable to on-site engagement. And tell us about business improv. How does that help the workplace? How do how does that help teams get stronger and how does that help build relationships, especially in a virtual environment? Well, business improv is uh, unique. As you mentioned, it's a 20-plus-year-old company I founded, and it's rooted in linking improvisation, which most of us would know as comedy or making things up in the moment, linking it to business through behavioral psychology and cognitive psychology and org theory decision-making models. So really what we focus on is bringing high-energy experiential learning pinning it down with the behavioral sciences, and then reaching some very strong real-world outcomes. So improvisation at its core is a communication and collaboration-based art form. That's what we do up on stage. And the output is creativity, possibly, if you want to judge it as such. You know, the output could be a show. At its root, though, it's communication collaboration. So now once you start linking it to business, it's in business improv, we define improvisation on three core competencies, reacting, adapting, and communicating. Reacting, adapting, communicating. So the question isn't who needs to improvise right now. Reacting, adapting, communicating, that's the answer. We all need to do that. The question is who's practicing it and at what level, knowing that it's rooted in communication and collaboration with a strong output of creativity, adaptive problem solving, crisis management, influence, engagement, trust, team building, that this is where a lot of us should be focusing on, on connecting with each other. And what does that look like reacting, adapting, communicating? Because we did cover that in the presentation. I I took notes down uh, that that was the, the approach, but can you give us a a few um, sound bites on, on what that actually means? Yeah. So when you think about improvisation, again, a lot of us have different associations with improvisation that for some are even rooted in fear or anxiety and others are rooted of course in comedy because that's the most common association or, you know, what happens when the excrement hits the oscillator? It's that, it's that scramble. Like, oh, I'm improvising. It, it's not true. Improvisation is based in in uh, knowledge. It's training. It's understanding. And because of that, you can link it to things like the special forces. You know, elite military teams improvise when 
it's sure. all going down. Cooking competitions, elite chefs, you know, what's in the basket? They're pulling it out. They're making dishes based on ingredients they don't know, relying on their training, their expertise, their background, their communication skills. It's musicians. It's parents. It's what we're all needing to do right now. So going back to your question, you know, reacting, adapting, communicating, reacting is focus and concentration and presence in real time at a very high level. It's not a reaction. You know, that's a response. That's a one-off. Reacting is ongoing. Adapting is if you're reacting within parameters or trying to achieve a specific outcome, like in a strategy, for example, a collaboration, a sales conversation, you're reacting, adapting. Subroot to both of these is communicating as we are not in space. Right now we're isolated. We might be feeling it. We are not alone though. There's always someone with whom we can reach out to react and adapt and something in our environment to which we currently have to, we're forced to react and adapt to what's happening. So as such, this drives toward change and embracing change and looking for possibility and potential, even inside the restrictions that are in front of us right now. It's, it's a great mindset of, uh, you know, focusing, concentrating, presence in the moment, react, adapt, communicate is the mindset to figure out how to solve problems. That's excellent. Um, and that's a great segue to um, my next question. And as I was preparing for this uh, podcast, I was reading your, your bio and um, I read that you were the author of Getting to Yes And. And I stopped uh, with Getting to Yes because I remember in my MBA program reading uh, Fisher and Yuri's uh, yeah. oh, book, yeah. Getting to Yes. And you had us do a really fascinating exercise um, where we communicated with Yes and, and then we went to breakout rooms and then another session where it was uh, using the word but we were sort of uh, in, infusing injections into our conversation. So I'd, I'd love for you to share um, the premise of the book and the use of the word yes and, uh, certainly in comedy, but how you use it in a business setting. Oh, absolutely. So getting to yes and is to the very best of my ability, the textbook for what we do, whether it's on-site what we as business improv, of course, whether on site or the virtual training that we do, um, it's all about impact and applicability. This is how you use these tools and techniques. So getting to yes and to the best of my ability answers the how question, even in written form for something that's so experiential. It's a Stanford University press book. So I always reference that because this means it's not a fluff piece. I did not write an opinion piece. I wrote a piece that's baked in research, baked in the behavioral sciences, and it's prescriptive. This is the how you apply these on your own terms and how you bring other people on board with you using these tools and techniques. So yes and. Uh, On its surface, it's a simple, simple concept, right? Yes and versus yes but. However, in improvisation, improvisational comedy specifically and theater, yes and means something wildly different than it does in business improv. So to be clear what we're talking about with yes and, yes is not I agree with you. You heard me say yes is not I'm going to execute an idea that I fundamentally oppose. That's not yes. Yes is I hear this idea. I'm taking time to understand that it's coming from you. Yes is I accept that this is coming from you on your terms. Why is that word so important? 
Because yes, so we'll get into the you know the cognitive framing of this as it relates to decision making and yes. influence, if you like. On it, on its own, yes, is it comes across as acceptance. It comes across as alignment. It comes across mm-hmm. as um, uh, a collaborative technique. Like yes, we are. It, it feels like agreement. Even though it's not the the way that yes is yes on its own is agreement. You know okay. that's definitive. Now this is where the two word phrase really starts having impact. The and is what bridges it from being just plain agreement into I understand, I accept. Because yes, at its core, in yes and the way we use it is thoughtfulness. And is the bridge to how you're thoughtful. So and is the bridge to your voice, your background, your education, your drive, your passion, you, you, who you are as a leader. And so yes, then as thoughtfulness is focus. You have my undivided attention right now. I'm not distracted by anything else in my stay-at-home office. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say next. I'm listening fully to what you I'm listening to understand you. And is the bridge to how you understand how you're focused, how you're present, how you're in the moment, how you're being thoughtful. And so this is where this combo really hits home. How is that powerful? Because I know, you know, in the session we had, like, it is very powerful. Can you explain how it's powerful and how it can be used? Uh, yes. And? and? Good one. <laughs> so the first would be, um, on, on its own, it's a communication technique. So this is where I'll bridge it over to the power of yes and versus yes but. So the exercise you did, that's really all we did. Just compare the two of them in one single conversation. And what happens when you hear the word but, it's a trigger response inside of our heads. And inherently, we feel like we have to disagree with something. We feel like I'm supposed to show a point counterpoint or I need to pivot very hard to change the direction. So it becomes defensive or it becomes aggressive. And yes, and the military term is, but eliminates everything said before it through restrictions, denials, contradictions, steering. So when you could look at the two of these, even if you're fundamentally opposed on a point counterpoint with somebody else using yes and makes you feel like you're being heard. It makes you feel like you're being listened to. And it's a basic human desire to be mm-hmm. understood. It would, it's what makes all great relationships to believe that somebody understands us. And yes, but shuts people out. It puts people in uh, a, a, their headspace. It's a trigger word for you know emotions that are not necessarily positive. Yes, and makes it feel like you're being heard. It makes you feel like you're being understood. So this then links to empathy. This links to emotional intelligence. So this is where the power of this really starts coming into play. At its surface, it's just one thing. Once you really start breaking down the cause and effect of it, one two-word phrase versus another two-word phrase, yes, but's exclusive. Yes, but is confrontational. Yes, and is inclusive. Yes, and is alignment. And it's a trigger. It's a trigger, one versus the other. And that's only one aspect of yes and because that's where a lot of people are like, yeah, it's great for this or brainstorming. And it's you're missing, you're missing it then. It's a Swiss army knife as a two-word phrase. You can use it for so many different things. Give us a few examples. 
right, you cannot yes and somebody without being present and in the moment at a high level. So people are always, you know, you said it before, engagement. Engagement's a big challenge. Yeah, it, especially in this short attention span world that we're in. And this, the medium of the computer lends itself to swiping mm-hmm. left, swiping right, short attention span. If you don't like it, you move on. So you have to have different techniques. So using yes and means that you're listening fully in the moment and you're simply responding to it, not waiting to respond. You're listening to understand before you respond. So you're slowing the brain down to be focused and present in the moment at a high level, to create engagement, to create connection, to create unity, to build trust. Uh, it is a fa- I, I alluded to this before. Let me hit it right on the head. It's a fabulous conflict management technique when it comes to joint problem solving. Where you're on one side of the fence, you're the Hatfields, I'm on the other side of the fence, I'm the McCoys, and the fence is our problem. Instead of focusing on what we don't have in common and why you're wrong and I'm right or vice versa, we're focusing on what we do have in common. And then this relates to the outcome. If you fully disagree with somebody, you can disagree without being disagreeable. I love it. I'm going to try that out. Um, Bob, this has been uh, amazing. Any final words you have on how people can show up virtually and up their game uh, in a virtual environment? Thoughtfulness. Be deliberate. Be intentional. Be humble. Understand that this medium requires you to adapt and change Either it could be in a grand way or a slight way. Grand way could be, you know, turning the lights around, not sitting in front of a bay window, you know, or it could just be the minor things. Of, you said it before, eye contact. You you said smiling. I didn't, so I'll use your word. Smile. Smiling at the little green dot and see who yep. smiles back at you. Uh, adjusting your energy so that when you are low energy and when you're a little bit unfocused, you say, okay, I am. That's exactly where I am right now. I'm going to Give myself 10 minutes before this engagement because this client is important. This team is important. The people who are looking at me to lead them are important to me. And they need to see that I'm on point and I have, I'm in charge and I can drive this. And then doing something about it, whether it's a walk around the, you know, a walk around the house, stretching out a little bit, um, dance, dancing a little bit, whatever you need to do to, to get on point so that when people see you, they see that you are leading by example, present and in the moment. Bob, this is really great advice. Thank you uh, for joining me. How can people get in touch with you if they have any questions or would like to learn more about your approach and even your workshops? Well, uh, you can follow Business Improv on LinkedIn. You can follow Bob Callahan on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, findbusinessimprov.com. And, uh, you know, if it's okay with you, we'll send you a free handout that you can post at the bottom of your screen as a a way to um, help people out right now because a lot of people need help. So I would love that. Thank you so much, Bob. Um, I really do think that what you've shared with us today is very practical advice and uh, things that we can all put in place uh, starting today. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your expertise and look forward to uh, speaking to you again. Yeah, thank you so much. Be safe. This podcast was produced by Broadreach Communications. I'm Andrea Lekishoff. And thanks for listening. For show notes and additional resources, visit brpr.ca forward slash podcast. Mm-hmm.